Incendiary Radio with Mr. Robert Raybould. I'm your guest host, Frederick C. Blackburn, with my co-host, Mr. Giuseppe. So, Mr. Giuseppe, how's it going? Happy Easter, good sir. Did we lose Giuseppe? Oh, he might have stepped away for a second. Uh, We're going to break. So, Mr. Producer, go ahead and bring Mr. Bruce back in. Hey, what's going on? Hey, Bruce. Hey, I guess uh, Giuseppe had to had to you know go take a bathroom break or something. So that's exactly uh, right. Yes, yeah, our <laughs> marathon hate fest for Easter here. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope you're not drinking Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's tranny me around here. <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to jump in and, and piggyback on or, uh, on Tom's call there uh, when he was talking about the fire department and municipal hiring and something. I got a little story for you. Uh, I went through paramedic school in the mid '90s, and uh, my first real job working nine one one. I did a lot of private ambulance stuff before that, which was a good background, but it wasn't you know the real emergency stuff like you see on TV. And so I took a job in Galveston County with a private service that was doing the county contract for 911. And it was the best in the state, okay, back then. They had very high standards. And uh, I cut the mustard, so I was uh, getting good experience there. And back then, they didn't have digital radios. It was all analog. And so we would get bleed over from the Houston Fire Department. And one day I was in dispatch, and I was listening to Houston and they're having to call medical direction for permission to give D50 to a diabetic. Now, D50 is basically sugar, 50% sugar and 50% water. It's very routine. And if you have someone who's in hypoglycemia, that's, those are standing orders. We had a very thick set of standing orders. And so I, I asked somebody who's been there a little longer than me, I said, oh, why are they doing that? So, well, the Houston Fire Department had a bunch of diversity hires in their paramedic class that came out of the fire department, and almost none of them passed the state exam. So the medical director made them paramedics under his license. But for them to practice without him jeopardizing his own license, he had to have them call for every little thing. It didn't matter if it was baby aspirin or what. He had to uh, basically pamper these guys and, and lead them by the hand through everything they did. And it just blew my mind. I mean, this huge city like Houston, and then they have these guys that are incompetent, basically, having life and death responsibility. It's just, that was an eye-opener. There you go. Yeah. And it's all over. All over. Yeah. yeah, it's oh, amazing to me, especially when you look at this affirmative action nonsense and the people being inserted into positions uh, with Soros money. And I don't know if you guys caught this week that it came out that Soros's little rodent, the offspring uh, Shlomo Soros, it basically has an office in the Biden White House. He's been on the guest logs oh, like yeah. 14 times. And, and and he's just dictating policy. And there's nothing worse, you know, gr- than Mario Cuomo's two little 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 uh, 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 spineless coward sons, Fredo and Fredo, getting nepotistically installed a- a- into positions they don't deserve. Mario Cuomo at least earned it. You know, as, as despicable as he is, George Soros 
uh, earned it. And then, and then you get these these little weasels who just uh, daddy or mommy installs them in, and, and and it's just unbelievable. And the other point, Bruce, that's going on is you know this will be near and dear to Robert Ravel's heart, where um, the uh, that that embattled St. Louis Soros funded circuit attorney. Kim Gardner's in more hot water, and she even just got sanctioned by a judge for withholding evidence in a double murder case and allowing the killer out in bond. And you look, if you look at the, the, the pie chart of all the individuals, the incompetent individuals that have gotten elected with Soros money, that is, that is your Bolshevik 2.0 blueprint, while Robert talks about the, these, uh, these groids driving in, in the right lane at 120 miles, ignoring the stoplights. Yeah, I see and that it, myself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 And this is Bolshevik 2.0. They're, they're purposely trying to destroy the, the, the traditional heritage glue that once held this country together. And it's just, I don't know, both you guys, I'd like to get your thoughts on the fact that you know, this tranny thing is, is off the chain. All of a sudden, it's tranny, 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 and sanny, and sanny, and sanny. And is it because they're trying to hide the fact that the, the, the jubonic jujab, the whole scamdemic failed, but it's still murdering people, and people are starting to wake up? What is it all of a sudden now? Why is it now that everywhere you look, this, this tranny nonsense is, is literally everywhere? What do you think, Bruce? Uh, it, it's uh, destruction by design. I can't believe when, when Trump um, won the election, of course, I had a stupid fantasy. I, I wasn't a cute tar, but I was, you know, uh, I had a little sign. You up just there. hope for it, once something goes our and way. I was, right? hoping, yeah. I, I, was, I was wise as Soros way before that. And I was making 2016, please send a missile strike to George Soros and just declare him a, a, an enemy of the state or something. You know, that. They did that to uh, this, this Muslim cleric in in, uh, in the Sudan that was a U.S. citizen. But he had no power, really. All he was was just a, you know, uh, a demagogue, I guess you could say. And, right. and then they killed his son, Alawaki. And then they, they, they got his 15- or 16-year-old son with another missile. Well, we can, we can kill these people, but we can't, you know, George Soros... I mean, this guy deserves a drone strike. Sorry, that's just how I see it. And Putin should have did that, too. I believe he put out an arrest warrant for him or something like that. I mean, think of the lies that could be saved. In the Ukraine, in the Ukraine, think of the carnage. This is like almost World War II-era uh, level of carnage that's taking place on a daily basis. And they don't even show it on the TV. It's just, it just blows yeah. my mind. So that's one of the things I was wondering about is anytime you have these sensational stories like tranny shoots up Christian white school, right? You know, you always look at what is the story they don't want me to look at? You know, what is this you know, grabbing my attention away from what? And one of the things I was wondering about is, you know, are things not going as planned in Ukraine is that why we're not seeing Ukraine in the news cycles every day like we yeah. were? Uh, instead, we're focused on this. Also, the uh, you talk about the Jew jab, you know, people dying suddenly. It's like we need yeah. something to distract from people by saying the vaccine's causing all this sudden death syndrome. And also, you know, banks collapsing, you know, that, that tends yeah. to spook the herd. And so is this... Yeah, the tranny thing is something that's going to be very sensational and will keep people from looking at these other big stories. So what do you think of that, Bruce? Yeah, exactly. And think about this. What if instead of a Christian school, that was a black school or uh, a Jewish private school? Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) Imagine that, you know. It's just uh, they just tell us up front they don't care about us. They don't care about us at all. Uh, what the hell do we do? I mean, it's tough to organize because anytime you get any kind of look, what happened to the Proud Boys? Look what happened to the Oath Keepers? I mean, uh, it's 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 tough. But uh, that's all I got, guys. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks for calling in, Bruce. Great call, Bruce. Happy Easter. All right. Yeah, that whole thing of 
the sensational story and stories dropping out of the news cycle suddenly. You yeah. know, I always wonder about that. Uh, so, Mr. Producer, can we have Paul in New Jersey, please? Hello, gentlemen. Greetings, good sir. Happy Easter. Yeah, same to you. Hey, uh, you know, uh, concerning transgenderism, right, in the Bible, if you look at, uh, it's the book of uh, Matthew, uh, 1912, Jesus talks about eunuchs, right? And he says, for there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by people. And there are also eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who is able to accept this, let him accept it. Okay, now that's that's the line out of Matthew. Now, back in those days, they called, I would think, transgenders would be eunuchs. Because, you know, back then, if you were, they couldn't do surgeries, really, but they could castrate uh, men for, to be eunuchs for, you know, leaders of harems, kings, those type of right, people. Right, exactly, yeah. Or kings, right? So, and, but then also what's disturbing is that there are eunuchs who make themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, right? So that's talking about... Uh, religious castratis who castrate themselves to not engage in sin, so then they could dedicate themselves more purely to worshiping God. Mm -hmm. This is the way I see it. But at the end of what he says is Jesus is not denouncing any of it. He's not denouncing anybody doing that to their generals. He doesn't say, oh, you shouldn't do that. You know what I mean? Or that's bad. He just says, that's the way it is. And I find it a very odd, ambiguous statement. And if Christians and non-Christians look at that quote, because I think that is the one time Jesus actually addresses transgenderism. It's in Matthew nineteen twelve, And so I think Christians are going to find it embarrassing that in the New Testament, it's, you know, it'll denounce effeminacy, for sure, but it doesn't bring up this issue really at all, except when Jesus does it, on this discussion of eunuchs. Well, I have a couple thoughts. Uh, first, you know, eunuchs were more, uh, it, it, was, it was just, you know, taken off the ability to impregnate, right? It's essentially castrate, not castration, but removing the testicles. And, and so I, 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 to me, it's a bit of a jump, Tom, to say that those were the, uh, I'm sorry, Paul, that those were the, um, uh, the, the trannies of the day. I mean, you know, clearly the various scenarios you described were opportunistic within the societal structures of the time. If you can, you're willing to take off your, 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 your ball sack all of a sudden you have a pretty good life. Right. And, and so maybe, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, how are you interpreting this to be transgendered? This is, this is the removing the ability to reproduce, not, it, it doesn't say anything about like acting like a woman or, uh, you know, wearing makeup or pretending you're a female when you're a male kind of thing. So I'm just wondering how you're making that jump. Um, Either way, I think it would be odd that, uh, that Jesus would just not outright condemn that behavior to begin with. Oh, you I know? agree. And, yeah, it's kind of, kind yeah, of odd, yeah. Yeah, well, and that's what I'm saying. Now, in the Old Testament, it does talk in Leviticus about, you know, stoning people for transgenderism. It is brought up in Leviticus. And also it's brought up where if you're missing your member, I think in Deuteronomy or Leviticus, uh, you're not allowed into the house of the Lord, so you're not allowed into the temple if you have an accident or you're missing your genitals. But either way, I, I just think Christians have to work out those statements to get a clear view. And I think if the transgender well, saw, saw what it's in the Bible, they, it could actually calm down this confliction, at least, this fighting. Well, 
if I'm remembering my catechism lessons <laughs> of that particular scripture laid the foundation for the celibacy of the nunnery and the priesthood. And it wasn't the physical castration of yourself. It's the spiritual castration where you're no longer pursuing the pleasures of the flesh because you are in a spiritual pursuit, a higher calling. And so you are, not pursuing those aspects. And so it was considered a becoming a eunuch spiritually, not physically. And so I kind of agree with Giuseppe that saying that that was transgenderism is a bit of a stretch from the way I was taught about that scripture, uh, both on the Protestants. My father was Protestant side Baptist and my mother's side was Catholic. And so that was always a key issue with, uh, you know, why do priests not get married, but preachers do? You know, <laughs> it's one of those questions. And that is always, you know, referenced back to that particular scripture of becoming a eunuch in spirit. Uh, but anyway, that's just how I remember it. And like I said, I think it's a bit str- of a stretch to say that that's justifying transgenderism. Yeah, because I just looked up a a revised translation from Revised Geneva translation, which reads, for there are some eunuchs who were so born from their mother's belly, and there are some eunuchs who are gelded by men, and there be some eunuchs who have gelded themselves for the kingdom of heaven. The one who is able to receive this, let him receive it. So I think you're right. It's the idea of becoming celibate because you're, you're so connected to the spiritual calling that you no longer need the carnal desires. So I I tend to agree with Frederick's interpretation, Paul, but I mean, I I think, I I mean, I'm not disagreeing with your interpretation. I just tend to think that, you you know, it's the whole tranny thing. I don't know if it's really applicable here. Yeah, that's true. Or at least the tranny behavior, but still, if you are choosing to geld yourself, that is tranny behavior by nature. Yeah. Well, yeah, I get it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because, I mean, and it's also the most humiliating thing you could possibly do to a man, you know. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. Gelt him. So so it's severely thought of as a war crime. So it's just a very disturbing topic. And and I I just think it shows actually uh, uh, poorly on Jesus' character is the way I see it. Yeah. You know, because, you know, I, I'm a skeptic about the Bible, fellas, you know, but I, but I should be truthful also. So. Well, I mean, there's so many times the Bible's been rewritten. I mean, even if you go to, like, Bible Hub, uh, where I found another quote of it, you know, they, they you pull down the menu and there's there's literally, you know, 50 different Bibles you can choose from to, to get, you know, and, and it's interesting to read quotes from various translations because, it uh, really, you know, well, obvious, the greatest example is when uh, the uh, the alcoholic grifter uh, Cyrus Schofield got paid a, a king's uh, ransom to rewrite the Schofield Reference Bible to go from the synagogue of Satan is the enemy of, of God to, oh, all of a sudden, the synagogue of Satan is the chosen people. How did that happen? Well, because Cyrus Schofield rewrote it. That's how it happened. So. Yeah. Excellent point, yeah, and I've noticed that in the different translations I have before me. Anyway, gentlemen, I just thought I'd uh, put that up as a uh, food for thought for uh, the fellas out there tonight. And have a good well, night. you know, it, what what is a, worth worth the discussion, stay on for a bit, is this yeah. insanity, Frederick and Paul, of these trannies. Like, like I, I watched a clip, and I used it in one of my shows, of this uh, portly little stubby uh, little she who wants to be look like a little boy now and and another another g- clearly gay dude with a rainbow uh scarf around his neck instead of the typical priests i forget what all that's i used to know it when i was raised catholic but i forgot all the real names of all that stuff but anyway the point is is that they're using the whole deception of love is love and they're acting like they're christians when they have no business quoting the Bible, because the Bible is quite specific in many instances that, you know, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah doesn't wash with the New Covenant. So that, that 
that that to me is interesting how the the globalist uh, um, chicken swinging media is putting a focus on all these trannies and queers who are supposedly ministers and pastors and all that where I mean they can pretend to be but they're not real Christians I mean that's just the bottom line yeah we'll, we'll talk about stochastic terrorism also you know the left they love to use that term because it sounds very you know scholastic the new yeah, term. pseudo-intellectual, right, right, right. Yeah, and they like to foist it off on that, and it's supposedly we're cranking out just like so many mass Nazi shooters shooting up schools and all the rest. But then when we always look at these school shootings, they're usually coming from the left, and the left is almost a, a stochastic terrorist-making machine of its own, especially in the cult of these uh, jacked-up steroid rage lesbians now from the looks of it and these people uh, fooling with these hormones and with the others you know uh, psychiatric drugs they've been given throughout their whole lives from the riddle in the on you know so so it's a there and people wonder why the shootings are so rampant today it's because this is the people that have been uh you know grown to be that way this is what the culture has voice you know fostered and this is what we have to deal with. And, of course, it's the, the solution to everything is more pressure on whites, taking guns away from the whites. <laughs> right. You know, just more of uh, the overall uh, stereopticon of cultural attack from uh, the culture of critique. You know, always after finding the white demon behind every act or, or some white blame or guilt to be, you know, slathered around on whites. Mm-hmm. You know, just and just, also, the, you know, the uh, axiom yeah. of always make your enemy live up to their own book of rules, right? And so, this yeah. hoisting on to Christians, you know, trying to tell them what they should be like. Well, if you were a real Christian, you would be accepting of everyone because love is love and all this other stuff. And, you know, the actual scriptures don't say that, but that's one of the tools that the left loves to use against the people. Here, Jezebel Everett's at App State and Rabbi Chicken Swinger Roberts did this big campaign where after Charlottesville about love thy neighbor, love is love, and, you know, hate has no place here. And basically that was, you know, trying to make all of the locals stand down of this uh, invasion that was going on here, uh, both with the homosexual community, which is a militant, in-your-face, radical homosexual element. You got the Antifa element. You got the MS-13 La Raza element here. Now you've got the Muslim element here. Uh, and the whole time they're telling all the local Christians, you know, oh, if you're a real Christian, you will, you, you welcome the, you know, the stranger into your community and you help the downtrodden. And, you know, it's just a way to psych these people out into standing down while they're being replaced. So, uh, great call. Uh, yeah. What do you think of that, Giuseppe? That, that's exactly right. It, it, it's, 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 you know, they, they, they rig elections or they, they stuff the ballot box, even at the local level, so they get pseudo-authority. Really, they don't have true community authority. They just, because in so many local elections, you know, maybe the community has 5,000 voters, and if it's not a presidential election, you get 200 to show up. So they get 200 angry lesbians, so they vote in their angry lesbian, and suddenly that angry lesbian's on the board and blah, 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 and one thing leads to another. Suddenly they have three or five on the board, and suddenly they can put through all these ridiculous laws that no one in the actual community community wants and, and, and is in favor of, but then you got like the, the, the Schaefer dykes who throw money everywhere. So people are like, oh, I better keep my mouth shut. You know, maybe I can get a little taste. And before you know it, this, this, you literally, you've said it so many times, you were living in idyllic Mayberry, and now you're going to be living in uh, uh, Hillbilly San Francisco in, in the next couple of years. So yeah, I, yeah, I'm a stranger in a strange land that was once my home. You know, and I'm surrounded by hostile strangers that have been programmed to see me as the local white straight guy, you know, the local white Christian guy, that I am the enemy of all their cultural Marxist victim groups. 
Yeah. Right. And that's just the way the strategy is. So what's your take on that, Paul? Yeah, no, I'm agreeing. I'm really uh, enjoying what you guys are saying. But, but, you know, it it did make me think about what's going on in the Nebraska legislature. I think it's Nebraska, where they're just having, because of the trans movement, they shut down the government for the past, like, 30 days with some ongoing filibuster, where they just won't let any legislation through because this filibuster is going on. And I just thought, like, this is this is who we're dealing for. They're so strident. You know what I mean, fellas? They like they won't relax and smile for a minute. No, no, no. They are on a the tear. This whole agenda. It's such a cult. It's such a religion of their own. You know, a, a sad religion. Totally. You know, it, it really is sad. It's it's like it, because it shows how culturally debased, neglected off in their own little, you know, world of whatever they're watching, and they're, uh, you know, and they're retarded friends. <laughs> and it's, you know, this, it's this culture, and it's just, who would have thought, you know, like 10 years ago it would be like this? It's just it's been phenomenal ever since gay marriage. Right. And, and just so you that Robert. Right. Yeah, you were talking about stochastic terrorism and just the drug trial data that they're trying to suppress left and right about all of these hormone replacements that these transgender are pumping themselves up with in these you know, hormone therapies to become something they're not. One of the side effects, both with estrogen and testosterone, is massive rage and you know, yep. violent acts. And so you know, they can sit there and say, okay, if we prescribe this to 1,000 people, we know that 10 of them are going to do something stupid. Yeah, that's just the math. We don't know which 10, but one of the, you know, this group is going to do it because that's what the numbers say. And this is how they operate with those, you know, we create a pressure cooker and somebody's going to break, especially if they are pumped up with our psychoactive drugs, be they hormone replacement or all these SSRI drugs so-called antidepressants and things like that, that are known to make people act out. And so I, I would add that to your uh, list of things that they're doing in the stochastic terrorism. Well, yeah. let me interject. Another thing is that it's, it's, it's statistically known that uh, transgen- homosexuals, transsexuals are like uh, 10 times more depressed than normal people. And that means in addition to all this insane uh, 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 you know, uh, d- disturbing your natural flow of hormones in the body, then they put you on psychotropic drugs. Like, uh, uh, so that's like makes it 10 times any? worse. Yeah, unbelievable. The, the, the Jew quackery. Listen, I'm going to get going, fellas, but before I go, I want to say one last thing. Love is love, but the wrong love can give you a sore anus. <laughs> on that note, guys. Need that on a okay. coffee cup, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good All one. Right. Well, great call, Paul. I hope you have a good evening. That was really good. That was me. a good yeah. call, yeah. So, uh, anyway, we're getting ready to go on to break. And uh, again, if you want to call into the show and join the Easter Hate Fest Marathon, a loving Hate Fest, loving Hate Fest Marathon, you can call it 512 248 8252. That's 512 248 8252 or 1 800 313 9443. 1 800 313 9443. And should be here in the music any minute now, but um Well in the meantime, until it comes up, RBN has a spring book drive that yes. started today. Michael Collins Piper. If you can donate a hundred dollars or more, then you'll have access to a, a lottery if you'd like to, where you could po- get I think it's Michael Collins Piper's book, Final Judgment, out of the John Statmiller Library. But either way, support RBN because there's not many places you could hear shows like this, and RBN's one of them. Yes, definitely support RBN and listen to these messages and support the people who support RBN. So we'll be back after these commercials.
You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. In times like these, you can't depend on the government to keep you warm and fed. But you can depend on the Vermont Bun Baker to do just that. With the Vermont Bun Baker, you'll never be in a situation where you can't cook, bake, fry, boil water, or heat your home all at the same time. One of the most revolutionary cook stoves, wood stoves ever, the Vermont Bun Baker is available with or without soapstone veneer, a natural stone that retains heat and radiates it back into the room once the fire is out. A beautiful addition to your home, the Vermont Bun Baker has an efficiency rating well above 75% and qualifies for the wood stove tax credit. For more information, watch the Vermont Bun Baker on YouTube and live stream or visit us at www.vermontwoodstove.com. You can also reach us by calling 1-866-SOAPSTONE. Don't ever be hungry or cold because the power's gone out. With a Vermont Bun Baker, all you have to worry about is what's for dinner. Hello, I'm Dr. Leonard Horowitz. I was right 30 years ago in warning the world about threatening lab virus outbreaks, AIDS, and Ebola. I was right 20 years ago when FBI Director Robert Mueller made me a suspect in the anthrax mailings because I warned the Bureau before the CIA's biocrime and Cipro sales psyops happened. I was right about COVID-19 being an AIDS-laced mutagen plan to resurge this fall to excuse officials' profitable depopulation globalization agendas. And I was right about the only safeguards being antioxidants and holy spiritual sustenance. Vitamin C, D, zinc, chlorophyll, oxygen, and oxysilver especially transmits the frequency resonance to neutralize the expanded function bioweapon. Oxysilver is a double superconductor of the healing power of love. It is the first nutraceutical invented to amplify prayer power and the faithful loving intention of your heart. Buy, try, and stockpile OxySilver through HealthyWorldStore.com. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash RBN. Incendiary Radio. I'm your guest host, Frederick C. Blackburn, a.k.a. Blackbird9, and my co-host tonight, Mr. Giuseppe. Just want to thank you again for staying up late and helping me do the hate marathon tonight on RBN. Oh, man, it's always an honor to get to work with you, Frederick. You know that. And, uh, hey, you know what? While we're waiting for uh, uh, our next caller to come in, there's a really, uh, Sam, if you could queue up Clip number five, this nine-year-old girl goes in front of the school board and just savages the commies and the trannies and all the mind rapists. She, you know, Because the parents have raised her right. She, if you look at the video, uh, she's wearing like a, a red, white, and blue shirt, and she's just incredibly bright and incredibly lucid on what's really going on. And once again, 
the parents can prevent all this if they do their job. So maybe we could, Sam, if you can play clip number five. God bless this little girl. Listen to this. Fully here again. The other day I was walking down the hallway at Lakeview Elementary School to give a teacher a retiring gift. I looked up onto the wall and saw a BLM poster and an Amanda Gorman poster. In case you don't know who that chick is, she's some girl who did a poem at Biden's so-called inauguration. I was so mad. I was told two weeks ago at this very meeting spot, no politics in school. I believed what you said at this meeting. So at lunch, I went up to my principal to tell him about the BLM poster and that I wanted it down. He said it's not coming down. I was like, yeah, it is, because the school board said on May 25th, no BLM or politics in school. He said, that's weird. They were the, one who, they were the ones who made them. I was stunned. When I was here two weeks ago, you told us to report any BLM in our schools. Apparently, you know they're in our schools because you made the signs. I said there should be no BLM in schools, period. It does not matter the color you make the posters and the font you use. We all understand the meaning. It is a political message about getting rid of police officers, rioting, burning buildings down while King Governor Waltz just sits on his throne and watches. We all know. Changing the font or the color of posters does not change the meaning. I am nine years old and I know that. You expect me to believe that you did not know what you were doing by making these posters? Come on, people. I do not judge people by the color of their skin. I, I don't really care what color their hair, skin, or eyes is. I judge by the content or the way they treat me. MLK said, I have a dream that one day my four little children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That dream has come true. I do not care or look at the color of skin, but you make me think of it. I have Asian, Mexican, white, Chinese, black friends, and I don't care. I like them because some of them make me laugh, some are sweet and kind, sporty, or share the love of God. They are just my friends. You have lied to me, and I am very disappointed in all of you. You cannot even follow your own rules. If you're going to do that, why do we follow any rules we deemed unfit or ridiculous? I'm not following your mask rule anymore, then. Get the posters out of our schools. Courage is contagious, so be courageous. Okay, man, let me know what you think about this in the comment section. Hey, she's right. You can't say no to politics in school, then people have BLM posters all over the classroom. What's up with that, right? And I agree with everything she said about BLM. Yeah, I said it. I said it. I agree with her. Especially now that we know that the BLM founders were just a bunch of fraud, right? Shout out to uh, Candice Owen for exposing one of them. What was her name? Patrice Cooler. Made millions of dollars, ended up buying mansions and houses in California, giving money to family members and money to baby daddies, right? So I agree with this nine-year-old. God bless her and her family. How courageous is she, bro? Nine years old. God bless her. She's fighting the good fight. God bless you. Let me know what you think about this and uh, catch you on the next one. Wow. There you go, Frederick. Uh, that nine-year-old girl is being raised right. And it's sad that uh, simultaneously I was just re reading. I can't bring myself to watch it. Some days it's just too much. But there. Uh, there on Twitter in our in the feed, there's this woman who's so woke and proud, and she always wanted a little boy, but she gave birth to a daughter. So at age two, she started transitioning this little girl to be a boy. I mean, that is just so evil, so cruel, so self-absorbed, narcissistic. <sighs> oh well, I guess it all boils down to cultural wars these days, isn't it, Frederick? Yeah, and the whole battlefield of identity politics and those classrooms you know both at the from the daycare center the nurseries right up through primary secondary college university it's you know all been infiltrated you know the long march through the institutions as they say to inf uh, input all of this cultural marxist identity politics where the bad guy is always the white people. And so this idea that, oh, we have to have inclusivity and diversity and equity so you know you can fly your rainbow flag, your BLM flag, your La Raza flag, you know, all of these things, that's yeah. fine. But we can't have 
Christian prayer in schools. We have to remove the Bible from schools since 1962. You know, so any white Christian European identity, that's prohibited. You know, that you can't have that, but all these other groups are allowed to fly their flags. And when you start, you know, talking the double standards here, you, of course, are a racist, a bigot, you know, a hater, oh, you know, an Frederick. anti-Semite, et cetera, right? Excellent point. And even more tragic to me is what has been, been done to white Southern men and the Confederacy. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I first came to D.C., uh, in 87 to take a job. And then I had to travel a ton for my CD-ROM manufacturing job when there was that boom in the nineties. And I, I went into the South a lot. I loved Southern culture. And I thought that, you know, uh, the, the, it, it, it's been so, you know, why can't, uh, you and other people in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, why can't you fly a Confederate flag? Why can't you be proud of your past? Especially when you look into it, it's sad that so many pseudo-intellectuals believe the lie that the the war of Northern aggression, which is more accurately the war of Jewish banking aggression, is um, uh, the reason, uh, the real reason was slavery. Slavery had nothing to do with that. The, The Confederate States of America had every right to secede from the United States that was built into the Constitution. It was all about states' rights. And so what Abraham Lincoln did to destroy those rights. I mean, we still suffer under that yoke and it's getting worse and worse right now. But yeah, I mean, the, 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 the vilifying Confederate flags and what, you know, the, the Southern culture is just being wiped out. It's such a awesome culture. I can't tell you how many times as I traveled, I always love to go to the look, little local restaurants and, and, you know, you'd hear, you're not so bad for a Yankee and all this and that, but people were always friendly and kind and considerate. And, and, you know, as long as you, 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 you respect anyone, but especially Southern people like to be respected. And, and now look at what's being done to your culture, man. Right. And that's my whole argument that this Appalachian culture is a unique thing and should yep. be protected. And these people that are flying the banners of diversity, you're actually, you know, carrying out white genocide. You're destroying a unique culture by making it multicultural. And you think, you know, the weaponization of South Carolina with carpetbagger, you know, uh, Nikki Haley, you know, that her parents move into South Carolina and suddenly she's governor. And it's like, how in the heck did this Indian chick become governor of South Carolina and lead the charge to say, we have to remove Confederate symbols from everything. And then her best bud is Bubba Wallace. He's, you know, (laughs) suddenly is in NASCAR, even though he's completely unqualified and leading the charge that, you know, NASCAR has to do away with all Southern symbols, you know, no Confederate flags in NASCAR. Right. And, you know, Nikki Haley now running for president and it's like, okay, is she going to erase all white culture now in the name of diversity and inclusivity? If she was president. Great point. (laughs) All right, Mr. Producer, let's have Mr. Mark from New York. Mr. Mark, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, guys. BB, I love I love your show. I've been following you guys since the fall and it's been great. And I've been checking out the books. I've been checking out the Bundy Tree books and stuff. And I'm seeing parallels, even just you guys talking about the South and just uh my point would be uh, the whitewashing of history and stuff. Yep. And I, I, I mentioned Good Friday as a starting point, and then you mentioned the South and stuff and how, like, uh, the bankers were funding the, the war or whatever to get down and attack the women and children, the civilians down South during the Civil War and wiping out white genocide down there, white genocide in Europe white genocide in, in, I mean, Eastern Europe and stuff. But then I was, uh, anyway, getting back to Good Friday, so I thought I'd do a, a, a full Good Friday experience, like go check out the Stations of the Cross and then watch Mel Gibson's The Passion and then go back. Yeah, no, that's an intense movie, yeah. Very intense movie. Saying, 
you know, growing up, did you guys feel that was a little more whitewash for you? Because you go back and you see the stations or the paintings, and it's always like Jesus has a nice outfit on, and he's got the halo. And I guess it's a metaphor that nothing could touch him, or it's maybe they're whitewashing it, or am I reading too much into it? And which one do you think is more true? The nice, the 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 nice whitewashed-looking uh, typical Stations of the Cross or the Garden of Gethsemane or Mel Gibson's version. Oh, that's an interesting thing, because when I was young and we'd uh, go and walk the Stations of the Cross with my mother and my Sicilian nana and all that, and, uh, you know, some of those carvings and statues that were in some of the Catholic churches where I grew up, they were pretty realistic looking as someone in, in incredible pain and suffering. And so, uh, I mean, I, right. I think that, uh, that, uh, I think that you're right. It is whitewashed in basic teaching kids, the Bible and catechism studies and all that, because that can traumatize a kid. But I think, uh, Mel Gibson did a great service for adults to understand just how how the new covenant was brought about and how uh the Jesus the Christ suffered to do it for the rest of humanity. I, so I, I see your point, but I think that at some point when you're dealing I with agree. kids and, and yeah. Yeah, what 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 age would it be? I guess eighteen or something, you know, I guess or whatever. Well, I think that movie so. was rated R, so I think you, you weren't yeah. supposed to see it until you were eighteen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that never really works. But. Fair enough. I did notice the priest that I kind of rushed through it. I couldn't really hear it through the word, you know, through the, the hall. I guess they got to get a microphone or something that, you know, wireless microphone so you could actually hear what's going on. But it was quick, kind of rushed and stuff. But I was a little spooked about when I went to the mass and they were kissing the, uh, they were using hand sanitizer. There's no holy water, but they were, they were kissing the wooden and touching the wooden uh, cross during the service. So it wasn't real mass, but uh, I just thought that was kind of kind of unusual that if they're being so concerned about whatever the sanitariness. And I just happened to look. Uh, I went home and I said, I wonder how many Catholics are vaccinated. And there was a Pew research saying like eighty percent were vaccinated. I was thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't go to to the match, or I'll wait till I go, instead of today, I'm going to go like tomorrow or Tuesday when it's a little less crowded, because I had actually reached out to you on Gab about, uh, about you know, being being stuck in crowded places, you know, uh, and, uh, and then what you were saying about with vaccinated people, and it's like the congregation is 80%. What's next? I was yeah. actually looking up. Well, the one, one thing put? that you have to keep in mind is that you know there's a lot of people a lot of opinions but there's is definitely contagious disease but the numbers if you have a healthy immune system if you tick the jubonic jujab you got essentially injected with about 5 trillion with a t uh, mnr uh, 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 elements that could create spike proteins. That's an enormous assault on even a healthy person's immune function. But when you're around someone who's shedding, you're only getting, you know, th hundreds of thousands or maybe in the low millions, which a healthy person can basically overcome. So, you know, I, you know, I used to love going to see live concerts, especially smaller bands that crack the sky and, and, and my buddies, the Slambovian Circus of Dreams. But uh -huh. those are in in crowded little clubs and I don't want to be around yeah. vaccinated people like that. So I, I don't go yeah. to that stuff anymore. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively healthy for my age, uh, you know, carry extra weight. Like, yeah, and, but, but are you um, saying that you could get stuff that could get into your veins and then turn into those things that are growing in your veins or is that already debunked or something? No, well, when they inject the bioweapon into you, you can get all kinds of things growing in your veins, and that's why these coroners are pulling stuff out. But when, when people are shedding, they're essentially shedding a mutated contagion. And so that contagion, okay. if, if your immune system is not strong enough to uh, uh, battle it and overcome it, 
will uh, you'll get sick and it could be a nasty sickness. But, you know, it's really, you know, the, if you never take a Jubonic Jew jab and you're basically a healthy person, you don't have a lot to worry about. You can pretty much overcome any typical contagious disease. Well, that's good to know. That's good yeah. to know. I've been enjoying uh, on the shifting gears a little bit, Sainsbury's book about the exposing the lies. And the hearing you talk, too, over the last few months, along with the EB of stuff, it really is eye-opening. And I only can read a little bit at a time because I lose sleep, you know, especially because I found out recently that I am part Ukrainian, part German and stuff. And just to see what they're doing now. Uh, oh, yeah. out there. It's tragic. And it's the same thing, and, it, and it's just insane. It, it means a little more to me, you know. And the fact that, you know, even Dresden getting the bomb, like 160 cities in Germany are get, were, like, carpet bombed. Right. I, I had one friend... Yeah, it's it's, it's evil. Insane. Hey, before we're, 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 before, I'd like to interject uh, a couple of interesting announcements. Beginning April twenty third, uh, Sane Asylum's going to two hours, so we'll we'll be able to have people like Reed Sainsbury on and other people to do interviews because one hour is not really a lot of time. And a lot of people are a big fan of Last Man Standing, which comes on typically right after Robert as a pre-recorded show, but evidently. Mr. Paul Edward Stevenson is going to go live, so that's going to be starting. Uh, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure if if it's in the next couple of weeks or when he's going live, but typically beginning. Yeah, tonight. Oh, oh, oh it's it's today. Great. Okay, yeah. great. Well, welcome Paul Edward Stevenson to the live wow. world of crazy live radio, man. You'll 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 see wow. never things never go right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so what we're looking at uh, starting April 23rd is two hours of the Sane Asylum, two hours of the King of Sunday Night, Robert Rayvolt, and then live Paul Edward Stevenson, The Last Man Standing. That's awesome. That's a yeah, great that way to end the week, lineup. start the week. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, one thing uh, about what Mark was saying uh, originally about the Stations of the Cross, uh, when uh -huh. I was a young man back in the 80s, I took a backpacking uh, trip through the Pyrenees Mountains between France and Spain to oh, cool. tour all those fortified churches along through there. And I was shocked by the artwork, especially the stained glass work, of the very graphic depictions of exactly what happened, not only to Jesus during the crucifixion, but all the saints and martyrs that were wow. gruesomely like, you know, filleted alive and boiled oh, alive yeah. and all and just how graphic the artwork was compared yeah. to my little Protestant churches, you know, that right. have the nice stained yeah, yeah. glass and everything's like you said, whitewashed a bit. And yeah. you know, you go through those especially on Carcassonne. Uh, you know, it is the passion it of the Christ Hollywood? right there. It's just that graphic. And you thought it was it wasn't Hollywood? Did you think it was real? Even seeing it that graphic, did it make you think and all that stuff? Oh, it was it was life changing. I mean, it just uh, wow. it was it it got to me you know, just to see. It. It's just like when yeah. I saw the Passion of the Christ the first time. I mean, that is a very powerful movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, well, we got one more call, so we want to get to right. but well, uh, thank great you for call. your time. It's great to talk yeah, to you. Great call, yeah, great call, Mark. Please call back. Yeah. All right, Mr. Producer, can we get Larkin, Texas? Hey, howdy, gentlemen. Happy Easter. Hey, Lark, I got a great idea. Why don't you come on my <laughs> show sometime, and I'll bail, and then you can do my show. It'll be great. There you go. <laughs> I think you did that on purpose. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, everybody knows I am the world's worst radio host. I, you know, I, I kind of got thrust into the role uh, back in the day. And, uh, I mean, I just refuse to think of myself as an entertainer. I don't do the, the uh, disc jockey patter. Uh, you know, I'm really kind of a, just a failure. But <laughs> be that as it may, I read something. And so I somehow tried to save the, save the hour for you, Fred. Oh, I really appreciate you doing that, man. I hate to put you on the spot. It's like, well, you can do an encore, you know, recorded show, or if you want to do it, you know, I'm sure everybody would love to hear you. But, but so thanks for doing that. Well, uh, the reason I called on this uh, auspicious occasion, and I always enjoy the two of you together, your banter and your callers tonight were astounding. Uh, 
on this Christian holiday, it really troubles me, I must say, that people are not calling for the uh, end of compulsory public education. I mean, it's immoral. It's not Christian. Yep. Hundred percent. There's nothing. There's nothing at that. There's nothing to recommend this system where young parents with children. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but uh, the other thing I want to point out is that when we look at that word love in the Bible and the way it's translated from the Aramaic and the Greek, Hebrew, etc., we have to remember that there was a corresponding uh, interpretation of that word love in the Greek. And one of the interpretations that is not generally thought to be included in the Bible, whichever translation you choose, is this word mania. Mania is a kind of a love that was identified by the Greeks. And that's what I see today is afoot. The American that's a people great point. Being, yeah, we're being buffalo jumped, and uh, I think it's mania that has yeah, gotten yeah. hold of us. Yeah, that is a great point, Lark. That is really, really a good point. Yep. And I totally agree with you on the school scam of mandatory public education, especially when you say, oh, and to attend this mandatory public education, you have to get vaccinated first. And they just keep adding all of these vaccination jabs to these school children so that they can go to mandatory education, right? And suddenly now we, what, one out of 36 children in America now have autism? Yep. But there's no connection with those jabs, right? Where did you get that, Frederick? There's no connection. No connection, right? (laughs) You know, public education might have been a good thing in America during the industrial age, but in the information age, where the language itself is uh, so malleable, and uh, it's provably so that people can be literally uh, socially engineered and brainwashed. In fact, this new system, this new new economic system, that a lot of people are going to be shot when they realize how quickly it's upon us. It's called social engineering as a service. So remember that. And we combine that with biodigital convergence, there's just no question that these data mining centers would be, of course, the public schools and the universities and, uh, of course, the hospital systems, the way it's set up today. And all of this is, frankly, just immoral, illogical, and it's maniacal. And with that, we are out of time. Thank you so much for the call, Lark. Always a pleasure. Giuseppe, thank you so much for joining me for the marathon three hours of Easter loving hate. <laughs> Always an honor, Frederick. And guess who's coming live? The, the last man standing. So stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. And everybody have a happy Easter. And until next time, I'll see you all at the rendezvous. Riding on Confederate flags, they fly. That fellow in out their heels, they knew they had to die. Just the knees with tombstones, never asked the reason why. They to leave forever, those three riders in the sky, for they were outlaws, never foul to the blue. Civil wars, the black, they blue. Outlaws, never foul to the blue. In the civil all expect to pay more at the pump again. I'm Peter Serafine with another Liberty Minute. I carry a gun to protect those around me. I'm a member of Right to Bear to protect my legal rights. Use code LIGHTHOUSE at protectwithbear.com for affordable carry insurance. Yesterday, the average price for a gallon of gas was $3.50. Also yesterday, OPEC Plus announced that beginning next month, they will be cutting oil production by 1.15 million barrels a day. The announcement, let alone the production cut,
cut are certain to cause gas prices to rise even higher. Remember, gas prices go up. So does the cost of everything else. Between inflation and gas prices, cost of living is getting out of control. For the sake of background, don't forget that on the day President Biden took office, the national average gas price was $2.39 a gallon. For more news and commentary, visit liberty-lighthouse.com. Until next time, see this Pashem Parabellum. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.